uh, like an ear thing. <laughs> so anyways, it's great to be with you guys again. Pastor Dave, Carol, you guys are so great, and you've been so gracious to us in our time here in the city and made this place available multiple times and hopefully more times in the future. So great to be with you guys today, and uh, my wife is sorry that she couldn't make it. I'm sorry she can't be here either, but uh, I'm excited that she gets to be with our daughter today, and they're celebrating down there. So before we start, I just want to pray. I know we've had a lot of prayer, but I believe prayer is a powerful thing. So Father, I just uh, bring myself before you. I bring this congress, uh, congregation before you, and I would just ask that you would just move amongst us today, that you would just uh, make yourself very real. Your presence would be here in a powerful way that we would know that we had met with Jesus when we leave here today. I pray for the time of prayer afterward, that it would be anointed, that it would be powerful, that there would be people that would see and experience healing. And Lord, we just come today because of what you've done for us. And we say thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as, as Dave was sharing, it sounds like you guys had a powerful Easter weekend, a good Friday service, and... Uh, and then a powerful Easter service. And that's just a, a wonderful time of the year as believers in Jesus. That, uh, that's when it all happened. That's when everything changed for us. Our ability to enter into heaven in a way that no one else can because of our relationship with him. And because of that relationship, we have a lot of benefits. And sometimes I think we, we don't always take advantage of those benefits. Uh, most of you have health insurance. And you get it if you go to work. Some of them are on a program there. And they give you this card that says, this is your health insurance policy. But a lot of us don't read what comes with that. And some of us say, gosh, I never knew that I could actually join a health club for only $20 a month when it's usually $60 a month. It's the benefit of that card. You're going, really? That's on my card? But maybe not on yours. But some have benefits like you can make a phone call and you can get a nurse online. And she can answer your questions so you don't have to go to the doctor. She can actually prescribe things for you over the phone. And a lot of people, they don't even know they have these benefits. They don't take advantage of them. And one of the benefits that we have in the church because of Jesus is healing. Amen. And a lot of times, a lot of people in the church, they just sort of think, oh, yeah, yeah, healing. That's, that's out there. But they don't really think that it's available for them today. And I want to talk about that today, that healing is available for us. Healing is one of the things that Jesus died for. It's one of the things that he paid for on the cross. Yes. And we want to take advantage of what he paid for. You know, you pay for that insurance. You should take advantage of it. How crazy would it be for you to have insurance and show up at the doctor and say, no, I want to pay out of pocket. We think that's crazy. But that's what we do spiritually in a lot of things sometimes. We don't take advantage of things that Jesus has already paid for. And we try to pay for them ourselves or we don't even do anything. We say, oh, no, that's not available for me today. Well, I want to read real quickly through a scripture. And then we'll go over a few things. And what I'm going to do today is I want to start in the Word, and then I want to share at the end, uh, the second half, uh, testimonies. One of the things at Bethel Church is that they really believe in strongly is the power of the testimony. That through testimony that people are encouraged, they're encouraged to believe, they're encouraged to grab hold of something. That say, this really does happen. It didn't just happen back in that time. It no longer happens today, but it happens today. And so I want to encourage you today with some testimonies. And at the end, we're going to have a time of prayer. Dave's going to come up here and, and kind of uh, address how we want to do that. But that's kind of what the service is going to look like today. You ready for that? Yeah. Okay, if you have your Bible or you're going to take out your device, um, turn to Acts uh, chapter 2. Um, you know, first we had Easter. We had the, first we had Good Friday, then we had Easter. And you know, the season we're in now is called Pentecost. 
And 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead, there was an amazing event that happened in the upper room. And the disciples were wrecked. And they were never the same. So this is happening just shortly after Pentecost. These guys that had hidden in fear, afraid for their lives, thought everything was over. Holy Spirit showed up, wrecked them, and changed everything. And so we're going we're gonna to see what happens. Of this guy that was a pathetic uh, three-time loser or liar, <laughs> a guy named Peter. A little different story now that he's empowered by the Holy Spirit. So chapter 3, verse 1. One day Peter, John, and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet. He began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement what had happened to him. And while he was held, Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. And when Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate. And though he had decided to let him go, you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Is a powerful, powerful message here. And in and, and the name of Jesus, that name, that name, that name, is so powerful. And that's who we celebrate every week when we come to church. We celebrate what Jesus has done at the cross for us and paid for us. And today I want to talk about healing. Um, the scripture here, I want to go just through a few things and just the context. Um, you know, this guy that's sitting there at the, at the, the gate of the colonnade, it's, he's been coming there all his life. Now, what, one of the things that's interesting is here is, do you think Jesus ever passed by him? I, I believe he did. I believe he did. And, and I want you to see something here. Is there's, there's sometimes timing in God's healing in your life. This man's been sitting there year after year after year begging. He's come into this position. And he, he, just, he just knows that uh, he's got an impossible situation. He knows that he's been dealt a bad hand. He knows that uh, he, he's pretty hopeless. I mean, he, there's no doctor that can heal him. He's probably gone to every doctor, and they said, you know, this is it. This is the lifetime history you have now. And so he's sitting there, and, and he thinks the solution is, is to beg. You know, he's got this perspective that's, that's just so wrong. 
in, in that he doesn't realize what his real need is. He, he sits there and he thinks his need is money. If I, you know, that, that's, that's going to help me in life. And there's nothing wrong with money. It's great. So he's sitting there and uh, he, 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 they come to him and they say, you know, um, uh, when, when, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked him for money. And then this is great. Peter doesn't say, oh, let me, let me see what we got. He doesn't, he doesn't have any money. He says, you know, uh, gosh, I'm, I'm a, little, a little short today, but God bless you and, and move on. No, Peter says, I, I got something better. He says, I got something better than money. And he's got this wrong perspective, and all of a sudden he gets an unexpected solution. You ever had that where you think, there's no answer to my problem? And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, God gives you an unexpected solution. And so here's this guy. He's been sitting for years. He's, he's pretty, you know, just probably his legs are atrophied and everything about him is just uh, feels helpless. And Peter looks straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said to him, look at us. Now, you wonder what this guy's thinking. Because most people kind of probably dropped a little shekel in his little can or whatever he had and moved on. And all of a sudden he says, look at us. And he's probably thinking, okay, this is different. And so he does. He says, look, look at us. And so the man gave them his attention expecting. Now that's a great word, expecting. And I think that that's part of the healing process is when we ourselves have an expectation. He didn't know what he was going to receive, but he said, something's happening here. I can feel it. I know it's different than everybody else that's come by and put just a couple coins in my little bucket. And these guys are saying, look at me. And so he looks up at them with this expectation to get something. And then Peter said that famous thing, I have neither silver nor gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus. And he tells the guy, get up and walk. Now, he doesn't know these guys. You've been sitting on this mat your entire life probably, and all of a sudden somebody says, get up and walk. What would your response be? Most people would say, get, get out of here. I can't walk, can't you see? It's obvious. There'd probably be anger. There'd be like, are you serious? Are you trying to make fun of me? There'd be all kinds of responses. But what does he do? He says he reaches out his hand. It says, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly, the man was healed. Instantly, the man was healed. He just, all he did is have to reach up, and he was healed. It doesn't say in here about this man's great faith that he'd been for years believing for a miracle, that he was sitting there waiting for this moment, that he was, all, I want you guys to see that. Sometimes we think that if I just try hard enough, if I'm just spiritual enough, if I just pray enough, if I just live a pure enough life, I have no idea if this guy was a good person or a bad person. All I know about him is he's a beggar. All I know is he's sitting there asking for money. And the next thing you know, men that knew Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, had compassion on him. Reached down and said, hey, I've got something for you today. Reach out, pull him up into healing like never before. And I just want you to see that he just had no idea that there was a solution for his problem like this. And I want you to know, you guys, there's a solution for your problem. Whether it's a physical healing, an emotional healing, a financial healing, there is healing in the name of Jesus. Okay, so what is his response? What, what is his response? It's ecstatic. I love this guy. I mean, he's not like, wow, that's pretty cool. I mean, it's like, oh my goodness. 
I, I can walk. And so you've got to, this would make a great movie. I mean, you can just see this guy. He's been there for years. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, he's, he's like, I, I don't know what to say. I'd be speechless. But so what I would do is I would run around jumping and yelling and screaming and doing everything possible. I'd be so excited. And that's exactly what it does. It says, he said, instantly the man rose to his feet. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then, first place he goes, he goes with Peter and John into the temple. And he goes in there and says he's walking and jumping. And who, what's his response? Praising God. He knew where this healing had come from. It didn't come from some guy using some mystic power, some guy doing his mojo on him. It came from the power of Jesus Christ, resurrected power of the cross. And he starts praising God. This could only come from God. But he still doesn't fully understand it. In fact, nobody understands it. So what is the, what is, he goes in there, and, and what's the people's response? Would well, be what you would think. They're amazed. They're going, is, isn't this the guy that used to just sit here every day? And we walk by him every single day? As he'd say, you know, alms for the poor, alms for the poor. Can you help me? And all of a sudden, here's this guy. He's like, yes, that's me. I'm that guy. I'm that guy. This is what God did. And they're all just going, what in the world happened? And they don't know what to think. And so, uh, Peter speaks up. So when he sees this response, he says to them, my fellow Israelites, why are you surprised? What's surprising you? Let's go back in history, like just a few weeks ago. There was this guy that was doing the same thing. He was healing everybody. He, walked in, he came into the city on a donkey and you guys were going, Hosanna, and waving palms. You thought the Messiah had come. And then in a split second, you turned on him. In fact, you released a prisoner that was guilty of murder instead. And you gave him the cross. But I want to tell you a story about him. He's not dead. He's alive. And I want you to know what? He's empowered us now. Yes. to do the works that he did. Yeah. He said, greater works will you do in my name. And so they're sitting there and they're preaching this thing. And they said, listen, it's, why do you stare at us? This is in verse 12. He said, why do you stare at us? By our own power or godliness? It's as if you thought by, we made this happen for this man to walk? No. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. And he goes through that whole story. And this is where I want to see the, 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 the final thing. Is, you know, it isn't like, like we're going to have people up here praying today for you guys. Okay? And, and some of them have seen, literally, I, I, would, I would tell you, hundreds of miracles and answers to prayer. And, and I know some of your staff is going to be here. And a lot of you have seen that. I want, I want you to know, there's, there's, there's no more power operating them in them than could be operating in everyone here that has a relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay? It isn't like, oh, there's the guy. Now, there are gifts. There are people that are gifted in healing. But we all have the gift of healing. Okay? There's just some people that are gifted in teaching. Doesn't mean that all of you are going to be up here teaching as pastors. But you can all teach at some level. All of you have this, this gift and this ability in you because of what Jesus did for you. And so Peter's trying to say to them, it's not us, it's Jesus. And then they all sit there and just must have gone, well, there must have been both condemnation thinking, what have we done? And there's others that are like, 
oh my goodness, this is amazing that we have this available to us, that it's still operating now. And so I, I just want you guys to, to hear this story that, that on healing. And the reason I started with this is that it's in the name of Jesus that, that, that healing takes place. It's not through our, if we try hard enough, if we're repentant enough, if we have enough faith. And I know that's, that's a part of what a lot of people believe at times. You know, Lori and I, we grew up in a very conservative church background. We went to a, a conservative Baptist church. I love that church. I love the people. It, 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 it marked me for life. It marked me for life. I, I, I learned the word of God there. I learned to trust Jesus. That's where I came to know Jesus. I got saved in that church. Okay, and so I had an amazing, amazing experience growing up in that church. Both Lori and I grew up in the same church. We knew each other. Uh, started going there in the fourth grade. She was in the third grade. So we know each other quite a while. Now, <laughs> we, we weren't dating all that time, but so we've, we've known each other through the years. In fact, it took me a while to wake up to what I really had in front of me. And uh, we, we're married now for 35 years. And, uh, and God's been good. Yes, thank you. And I am the blessed one. <laughs> but uh, so we got married. At the time, I was, uh, I was playing basketball. You know, I'm kind of tall. And uh, the team that I was with uh, had, had uh, been transferred or they'd moved their base of operation to uh, Memphis. And so I was going to be moving there with my wife. And so uh, we'd only been married about three months. Uh, I had a condominium before married and we'd sold it and we were uh, getting ready to move out of it. We packed up everything and we had, you know how you, when you're moving out, you're, the last thing you do is clean out the freezer or anything that you could eat before you leave. And so... In there, there was some fish that I'd caught that was frozen. And Lori says, oh, we'll have fish for dinner tonight. You know, we were leaving the next morning. And we'd got a microwave for our, one of our wedding gifts. Now, this is when microwaves were new. And, and this thing was like this, you know, this big. And you kind of go, open the door and put in your fish. So we didn't know a lot about cooking with microwave. We just knew it was magic. You pushed a button and the thing was cooked. And it was like, Whoa! And so Lori's cooking fish. Now, the way she cooked the fish is she put it in a dish and she put cellophane over it. Okay? And she's cooking this thing, and it looked like the old, some of you can remember this thing called Jiffy Pop popcorn. You know, that cellophane goes, this big bubble. And so Lori thinks, well, I'll check and see if it's done cooking. And she lifts up the cellophane. Now, if you know anything about physics, steam under pressure is way hotter than just regular steam. It's, and so her fingers, when she did that, it was like somebody took a blowtorch and went, and these two fingers looked like, the skin was all down. It looked like melted candles. And it was like, oh, my goodness. So we ran off the emergency room. Uh, they put us in a burn ward. They took Lori's fingers, and they, they cut off all kinds of skin. She went all through this stuff. They put them in what they called a position of function. And they put these metal uh, things when they would hold them together. And they said, the reason we do this is because you, that these are third-degree burns. You're going to need skin grafts. And we want your fingers to be in a position of function because the scar tissue will be so tight on your fingers that you won't be able to bend them. And so we put them in this position because they're, they're easier to use as hooks when you have to do things instead of if they're wide open. And so this is what we're facing. And so they bandage your whole hand up and everything. And now remember, we were supposed to leave the next day for Memphis. And instead, we're not going anywhere. So we're going through all this procedure and they're doing this cleaning and they keep cutting off dead skin and all these processes. And finally, we're, you know, we're paying for this rental truck. We didn't have a lot of money. And we said, is, is there any way we can leave to go to Memphis? Because we're paying by the day now. We're already over the rate. And we don't want to unload our whole truck. 
And they said, well, we'll teach you how to change the bandages and how to put the ointment on, this special ointment. And we'll call a, a, a plastic surgeon in Memphis and we'll set up an appointment for you to get the, the skin graft surgery. And so we said, okay, thank you. And so they taught me how to do it all. And, then, and so we were all scheduled to go. And so the night before we left, we went to our church, which had Wednesday night prayer meeting. Good Baptist church has Wednesday night prayer meeting. And you would go in and there would be a list that they would hand you as you come through the door. And it'd say, Mrs. Jones, who's in the hospital for her gallbladder. Mr. Smith is in the hospital for kidney stones. And Mr. Johnson, who's back home with the flu. And, and they would always have at the bottom, you know, three unspoken requests. And, <laughs> and then we would have prayer meeting. We'd go through this whole list and we would pray. And it was, you know, it was really nice. And, and then people would leave. And, they said, and so Lori shows up that night at our church. And the way they taped up her hand was it would be like just this big ball of white gauze. And she had to hold it above her heart because of fluids. And so we walk in like this. Well, it's kind of like an announcement. Uh, something's wrong with my hand. And, <laughs> and everybody goes, oh, my goodness, what, what's wrong with your hand? And Lori goes, well, tells the story. And, and, and this burn. And, oh, we've got to put you on the prayer list. So right there below the unspoken request, Lori Frost burned hand. And so we prayed there. Now, remember, we, this church, just to give you its background, this was a church that did not believe in any of the gifts. In fact, it was uh, thought that, that all that had ended when the disciples had decided that the, the, there was the thing called the Word of God was written. And now that we had the Word of God, we no longer needed miracles. And we really thought, hmm, it's an interesting concept. Now, there's a lot of people who still believe that. They believe they're called cessationists. And, and like I said, I grew up in that church, and a lot of those are still my friends, and it's amazing, and they're wonderful people. They're just missing out on something. Remember the guy that, that was sitting there? I said he had wrong expectations. He didn't believe that that was available to him. We sort of didn't believe that was available to us because we had wrong expectations. But we were desperate. I'm thinking, we've only been married three months. I don't want my wife with the hooks for her hand. <laughs> and she didn't either. <laughs> And so we're praying about this, and, and, and our prayers were not like, because we didn't believe that healing was for today. Yeah. Maybe occasionally in Africa, but that seemed like the only place you ever heard about it. <laughs> and so we're, we're, we, we had this prayer, and we prayed, God, help us. We, we just, we're, help. That was basically our prayer, help. Wasn't this great faith, like, in the name of Jesus, we pray your hand be. And it was not anything like that. And so we start driving to Memphis, and, and, the, and the weirdest thing happened. As I changed the bandage each day when we'd stop for the night, it, it, her hand started changing. It looked like little, like veins were, little blood vessels were starting to show up. You know, if you ever used to have an old map and it had lines for highways, and there'd be green highs for the interstate and blue for highways, and then the little red lines were those little tiny roads. Well, those all started appearing on her fingers. When we arrived in Memphis, we made our appointment with the plastic surgeon, and we go in to see him. And he starts unwrapping the bandages. And when he takes it off, her hand is completely normal. Now, he thinks it's a joke. <laughs> like, uh, what are you doing here? And we go, no, her hand was burned. He goes, no, her hand was not burned. There's not even a scar there. So what are you, and I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm telling, okay, I said, well, I said, listen, we didn't make the appointment with you. The emergency room, the burn ward at Los Alamitos Hospital made the appointment with you. True? Yes, and I'm going to call them. <laughs> and so we, we had this miraculous miracle. We wow. were like, I thought this didn't happen today. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that started us on this lifetime journey of seeing God do the supernatural in our lives. We, let me tell you right now, we were not 
spiritually elite. We weren't people of faith. We weren't people that just had this incredible healing gift. We were just normal people, followers of Jesus that believed in the power of the cross. Okay? And we started seeing this happen in our lives. I, I was playing basketball at the time, remember? I came down with mononucleosis. And I mean, I was like, oh. I mean, I could, I had no energy. I, I could barely make it up the steps of our apartment into our bedroom. And I just basically lay there like a vegetable. Well, the way our team was, it traveled a lot. And so we would go sometimes two or three weeks on the road at a time. So we had this great plan, Lori and I, that uh, our team was going to play against different colleges. And we were starting out in Oklahoma and Texas and Arkansas and then ending up on the West Coast to play against UCLA and USC. Now, Lori and I are from Southern California, so we had this plan. Why don't you go when our trip starts to go see family in California? I'll go on the trip, and when we get out to California, we can meet up with each other. And then I'll finish up the road trip, and then you fly back the same day we get back into town. Great plan. Except I came down with mono. So I told Lori, Lori, you just go ahead and go. She made a bunch of frozen food she put in the freezer for me to cook. Called a couple people in town and said, look on them once in a while, see if he's alive. And, and off she went. Now again, you would think with the healing hand, we're now people of faith going, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And we were still simpletons when it came to faith. And we were like, okay, uh, you know, help Dan to get better, Lord, you know, and, and be with him while I'm gone. And, 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 and God was so gracious in our ignorance. He took care of us. So she leaves. She goes to California. And our team, I think they played uh, Arkansas that night. And I missed the first game. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of bummed out. You know, I'm probably going to miss about a dozen games. And so I'm, I'm in bed. And I, and I wake up in the morning. And I literally, in my brain... I hear this, you're healed. I'm, I'm like, you know, it's kind of one of those, huh? Exactly. <laughs> so, so I'm in bed thinking I'm healed. So, you know, it's like mama, it's like, you can't, I'm thinking, well, yeah, I actually feel pretty good. So I thought, well, I'm going to test this out. So I got out of bed and I thought, well, I'll go down the stairs. So I walked down the stairs and I thought, hmm, that feels good. And I walked back up the stairs and that feels pretty good. So then I jogged up the stairs, and I said, this is amazing. So I put on my shorts, I went outside, and I, and I, did, I did sprints in the parking lot. And I think, my goodness, I'm healed. <laughs> so so I, I call up the, the team athletic trainer. I said, hey, can you get me tickets? I want to join the team. I'm, 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 I'm all better. He goes, you're not all better. I go, yeah, I am. He goes, I saw the blood test. You have mono. I go, I understand, but I got healed. He goes, well, how'd you get healed? I said, in bed. He goes, Right. He goes, you're not coming on the trip. You're not spreading it to the whole team. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm better. He goes, I said, okay, if I go to the doctor and I get another blood test and it comes back negative, can I go? He goes, yes. So I quick make an appointment with the doctor. I go to the doctor. I get the blood test. It shows up. No mononucleosis. Totally normal. So I, I joined the team. Our next game, ironically, was against ORU. <laughs> Oral Roberts University. And I thought, well, that's a perfect place to go after you've just been healed. And I, I, uh, I came back. Uh, they didn't think I had enough energy to start, so I was usually a starter. So I came off the bench, and immediately they said, I guess he is healed. And I was leading scorer that night. And so, so again, another example of God and his, and his, healing, and his healing power. Um, this became sort of the norm for us in some ways. Um, our youngest son, our firstborn, I mean our oldest son, I should say, um, he was diagnosed with, uh, with celiac disease. Uh, as a young child, he, uh, he quit thriving. He ended up being like on the little charts where you have where weight and height, he was at zero. 
Um, he looked like somebody you'd see in an ad for some country that was having starvation, bloated stomach, little pencil limbs, and everything. And there was nothing we could do. No matter what we fed him, it would go right through him. And, uh, and, and we were really worried about his life. And again, we, this time, we, we, again, we were still ignorant of that the healing was available. And so we didn't know. Now it's kind of like, okay, this is our son. And so we were going to a little Baptist church in Memphis, and, and, and we'd read in James where it says, if any among you is sick, what do you do? Call the elders. So I said, hey, let's, let's do that. So we called the elders from our church in Memphis and said, hey, I don't know if you guys do this. And they said, well, we never have, but we'll do it. And so they, they came over to our house and, and they prayed for our son. One of the elders on the way over there said, I don't usually get this, but he said, I just had this thought that kept running through my head about that, that the disciples when they came to Jesus and said, the blind man, did his parents sin or did he sin? And it's, Jesus said, neither. It was for the glory of God. And you're going to see that right now. And Jesus healed that man. And so when he came there, we thought, whoa. Well, they prayed for my son. Uh, nothing happened. And we thought, oh. So we went and saw a specialist out in California. He said, you know, your son's in bad shape, but we're going to do everything we can to help him. And we kept praying and kept believing and, and kept just saying, God, we know that you say you, you healed. We've seen it in our life. We, we claim the scripture here that they anointed him with oil. And in the middle of this testing for the celiac disease, to see the level it was, he all of a sudden, like on a dime, flipped and got totally healed. So this is what we've seen in our life. Now, what I want you to also see that we saw with this was the responses. Now, if we kept reading in this chapter, there were the responses that I first read about the people where they were astonished and they were amazed and they started praising God too. But there was another response, if you keep reading. It was that of the Pharisees. And they were not so thrilled about this, which always amazes me. It's like, how can you not get thrilled? The guy was sitting there and on his mat for years, and now he's running and dancing. And they're like, no, 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 this is not good. In fact, we've got to put these guys in prison because this is not good. And you just go, what is wrong with people? But yet the church sometimes responds in the same way. Let me give the responses of, of, of a couple things. I already told you the response, sort of. Well, I'll, I'll get there in a second. When we went back to our church, remember where Lori burned her hand and we had the Wednesday night prayer? Well, the next time we were out there was during Christmas. We had a break and we went back to church. Now, what's the first thing people re- remember from seeing us? Lori's burned hand. Oh, how's Lori's hand? And we said, God healed it. And the response was, what, 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 do, you, what do you mean he healed it? Like, are you one of those? <laughs> it was like amazing. Like, okay, sorry, I'm sorry she got healed. <laughs> kind of messes up your theology and your doctrine, but we're going we're gonna to go with it. Or the, or, the, or the other response was this. Oh, it must have not been burnt that bad. Those were the two responses. Okay? Now, remember the guy, the trainer says, you're not better. You know? So I go out there. I play that game and the leading scorer. And I said, well, now what do you think now, Ed? You don't think God healed me? He goes, no. <laughs> what do you mean? He goes, I think you had a false positive on your test. <laughs> I said, Ed. I was laying in bed, could not make it up the stairs. That's not a false positive. He goes, no, no. He goes, you probably were sick, but, you know, you got a cold, bad cold or something. Oh, I've heard that. 
And people just will not accept. Now, why is that? Because it makes them accountable. They have to believe. They have to step out in faith. They have to go further than they've ever gone in their faith before. And so that's why people respond that way. It's not because they're mad at you. They just don't understand. So you just got to love them. You just got to love them. Some of the nicest people I know don't understand. So this was our, this was our history. We've, we've had it multiple times. Let me tell you one more. My, my son, who was just here with us this, this, this past week, he lives in Germany. He flew out yesterday and was here for a conference. Now, that he's here at that conference is another miracle. Okay, he was a, he was a college basketball player, took after his dad, and uh, just finished up the season, was visiting some friends. Uh, he loved to skateboard and was skateboarding like usual. And nobody knows what quite happened, but they found him unconscious in the street. And he had a severe brain trauma. Now again, we're challenged, okay? We are challenged, okay? But something had taken place between all those little healings we'd had in between, is that we'd started to say, you know what? Let's figure this thing out a little better than just kind of going, I don't know what's going on, but it's working. And so we started listening to a show on the TV that we had no idea who he was. A guy, it was called The Cross. And there was a guy named John Wimber. Now, John Wimber started the Vineyard Movement and, and just had all kinds of amazing healing miracles. But we didn't know anything about him. We just liked the way he taught Scripture. And he was going to have a conference in Chicago. And so he said, hey, let's go to that. So we, so we went to it, and all of a sudden we realized what we'd been missing. This was a guy that did the same thing. He kind of was a, was, a, was a pastor in a Quaker church. Not a really big healing type thing. Where Holy Spirit showed up and wrecked the whole congregation. He lost about half his congregation over it. But they all of a sudden stepped into this whole idea of healing. And all this idea that, that this was for the church today. It was still for the church today. And they started seeing miracle after miracle after miracle. And the other thing that I loved about John Wimber is he said, it's for everyone. You know, he said, he used to have this phrase. He said, I love it when we're doing the stuff. And everybody gets to do the stuff. He used to have a story he'd tell, he'd say, you know, he goes, I, I was going to these churches. I, he goes, I started reading this book. You know, he, he came out of the, the Vegas band and he got saved radically. And, he, and, and he's reading this. He goes, I'm reading this stuff. And he goes, there's, 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 there's scripture after scripture after scripture about Jesus healing people and Jesus healing people and Jesus, how he did it and all these things. He said, he said I felt like I'd gone to, 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 to learn how to parachute out of a plane. And they were teaching me, this is a parachute, and, and, and here's all the features of a parachute, and here's how you pack a parachute, and here's how you put it on, and here's how if you jump out of the plane, what you do. And he goes, then they go talking about, and here's the material, the, the, the nylon material, and the quality. of the, and They go into detail after detail after detail. And finally he goes, I raise my hand, and I'd say, when do we get to jump? <laughs> and that's kind of how we live. We, we, we read all this stuff, and we read all this stuff, but we never jump. We just get more knowledge and more knowledge and more knowledge and more knowledge. And we rock, walk around with this head full of knowledge thinking, I'm very spiritual because I know a lot. And Jesus says, I don't want you to know a lot. I want you to do a lot. Yeah. I want you to be doers. You know, the, nobody knew more than the Pharisees. They were experts on knowledge. But they were a little weak in the doing department. And so we, again, now, <laughs> we thought, okay, our son has this terrible injury. This terrible injury. We gotta pray, we gotta go after it. And so we started praying. We got everybody we knew to pray because we knew now that God did still today do miracles. And God did a miracle again. 
God did a miracle again. My son, my wife, got on. she couldn't fly out that night to be with him in Chicago. We were living here in D.C. Uh, she got out the next morning, and all night she prayed, Lord, stop the bleeding, stop the bleeding, stop the bleeding. And when she got there, the doctor said, you know, during the night, you're very fortunate the bleeding stopped. In fact, it was going down his spinal cord, and, and what it does is it, it basically if it keeps going, it stops the organs. And, you know, we ended up being very blessed. We ended up being with the top... Um, head trauma guy at uh, Walter Reed Hospital. And, and he said, well, show this picture of my son's brain had all these black spots on the MRI. And he said, those are, those are areas where your son's brain is no longer active. And he said, your son's very fortunate to be alive. He goes, I, I just left the hospital, exact situation where a kid skateboarding hit his head, same place, bleeding. And he goes, he's not gonna make it. And so we were thankful that we had our son, but we didn't know what condition we were going to have him in. He said, don't ever expect your son to get the same grades that he had before. Don't expect him to do anything that he did before. But, you know, you're going to have to go through therapy, and he's going to have to go to these, these uh, outpatient places for rehabilitation. We're just like, oh, God, this is an amazing young man. And he'd gone through so much already to get where he was. He was dyslexic. He struggled just to get through school. And yet... God gave my wife a word in the middle of that and said, he's going to be better than he was before. And she clung on to that. Said, God, I'm holding you at your word. I believe that wasn't something I imaginarily made up in my mind, but you shared that with me. My son, who's just the neatest kid and loves Jesus and has a relationship with God like nobody I know, he felt like when we took him to, to, to Mount Vernon, they had a rehab center there for brain trauma. He said, I, I can't do this, Dad. I, I, I can't. And this is too depressing to be in this environment because I, I feel like God's showing me how to do this. And we're like, God's showing you how to do this. <laughs> yeah. He goes, I'm, I'm going to retrain my brain. So he decided to become a, a, a barista at Starbucks. And I pity the customers that had to come in there in the beginning. <laughs> and he said everybody there hated him because he couldn't remember the recipes, he would, and they, they eventually just put them all the time at the cash register, but most of the time had him on cleanup duty because <laughs> he just couldn't do it. But it was starting to do his brain and starting to rewire it. He also decided that, now this is crazy, he said, I'm going to take Chinese. Now he had no idea what they did, but the, the, what he did was he took parts of his brain that had never been used before and rerouted it because it was sounds and symbols that he had no place previously to use. And he retrained his brain. And, and he, at the end, learned how to speak Chinese. He now lives in Germany. He's fluent in Germany. He just got his master's in international law and human rights. He's a 4.0 student. And guess what? He's not dyslexic anymore. Bam. <laughs> now, that was a little different type of healing. Okay? It wasn't like, boom, he's there. It was a process. Remember one time Jesus was healing a person from blindness and said, what do you see? And he said, I, I, I see uh, trees moving like men. He says, well, let's pray some more. You know? And sometimes your healing is progressive. Sometimes your healing is immediate. Sometimes your healing is on hold. And what I want you to know is there's no formula. There's no formula for healing. You know, when Jesus healed people, he did it different every time because he doesn't want you to say, oh, I'm going to trust in the formula. I know that whenever we pray for somebody that's blind, we spit on the ground and make some mud and we pop it in their eyes. You know, he, 
He only did that one time. There were others he just commanded. There's others he... He did it differently because Jesus wants you to experience him uniquely by faith, not by formula. So, you know, and I, I don't want to go too long here. I've got all kinds of stuff here, but um, I grew up in a home. My dad, one of the most amazing men I've ever met in my life. To this day, I still just can't believe what he accomplished. You know, he was student body president. You know, he went and got his master's and got his PhD. And I go on and on and on about him, of what he did. But the thing that makes him amazing is he did it all from a wheelchair. When he was in college playing football, he came down with what he thought was the flu, and it ended up being a far more serious thing. He got up in the middle of the night to use the restroom, and his legs collapsed, and he never walked again. 62 years he spent in a wheelchair. Now you're saying, well, why didn't God heal him? I remember as a kid, he went to Catherine Kuhlman's service, and I'd wait for him to come back thinking, he's going to get healed, he's going to get healed, he's going to get healed. And he didn't. Now, that's a tough one. Now, let me tell you something else about my dad. My dad one day was sitting at home in his chair. My mom went to the store to get something she'd forgotten, and she'd been boiling hard-boiled eggs in the, on, the, on the pan on the stove, and he realized that by the time she got back, those eggs would be rocks. So he thought, well, I'm going to help her out. And so he reaches out, and he gets the pan out. It's kind of an L-shaped little counter where the stove is, and he's going to put him in the sink, and he's in his chair, so he has to kind of reach up. And as he's pulling him across to put him in the sink, he catches that counter, and the whole thing tips in his lap. Boiling water right across this whole area. He, he's like, oh my gosh, I am, I'm in bad shape. Now, it's already bad enough that you're in a wheelchair. Now you're going to have these serious burns being in a wheelchair, and it's not a good, good outcome. My wife, my, I'm sorry, my mom, who's a nurse, comes back. He tells her she quickly gets him off his clothes, puts a, sees this total blistering of everything and says, we've got to get to the emergency room right away. She puts kind of damp sheets over him, and off they go to the emergency room. Now, at this time, they were reading a book by Merlin Carruthers called The Power of Praise. And it was just ingrained in their mind that they praise God for everything. We praise you, God, for everything. And when the first thing when this happened, dad, my dad said, the first thing out of my mouth is, was, God, I praise you for this, even yes. though I don't know why. Yes. He praised him in the middle of it. Again, they go, to the, they go to the hospital, they go in there, they tell about the, the burns, and my mom's a nurse, obviously she's qualified to give a, and oh, quickly, let's get you back here. And they get him back there. They pull out the sheets to look at it. Nothing there. Whoa. Completely healed. Now, I used to scratch my head. I said, God, you can completely heal that. Why don't you get him to walk? It's a tough one. And that's one of the things that we live on this side of heaven with, and that's called tension. We don't know why God doesn't always heal. I don't think it's because he can't. I don't think it's because we're lacking something. Sometimes it can be that we just, there could be obvious sin or something in our life, and that's, that's pretty normal that we would think. But I think people sometimes think there's something wrong with me. I don't have enough faith. I've done something terribly bad in the past. I'm being punished for now. It's not God. God is a good father. Jesus never rejected anybody. There's not one evidence of somebody coming to Jesus in the Bible that didn't heal. Sorry, you don't don't fit my profile. I've seen your past, and it's too bad for you to be healed. There's none of that. Okay? But we have this tension. Now listen, here's what happens. His people let their experience then, if it's failure, it dictates their theology. 
Don't let your experience dictate your theology. Let your theology dictate the experience you're going after. Don't get it backwards. See, I think a lot of those churches that don't want to believe in healing today, there's a fear. What if it doesn't happen? What will I be look like? Will I be a fool? Will I feel foolish because I'm up here? Now, John Wimber had this great line. Remember, he's the pastor of the vineyard. He used to say this. You know, when I was a pastor in the Quaker church, he goes, you know what? We prayed for nobody, and nobody got healed. He said, I'd rather pray for 100 people and see one get healed. And then he'd smile, and he goes, but you know what? It's way better than one in 100. And that's it. It's available, and it's there, and it happens. I'm sharing this time after time. You know, we had the privilege of going, and I'll, I'll try to wrap up here, and then we'll have the prayer time. It, and I'm at Bethel Church. Now, Bethel Church is a mecca for healing. I don't know why. It's just like God's landed there, and people get healed. They have healing rooms. And it's amazing, the stories. But, you know, Lori and I, we've been able to experience that ourselves. We come back and forth here between Washington, D.C. And, and, and Reading every other month. And we've seen so many things. People from there come. I mean, one of the great stories was is they started hearing about them. They say, well, maybe we have to go out there to get healed. Well, you don't have to go out there, but some people do. And if you want to come out there, you're more than welcome to come. And so I had a friend, he said, hey, I've got this lady. Um, she was in a serious car accident 17 years ago, and uh, she's in really bad shape. And so I told her that they should go out there. So her husband calls me and says, hey, we think we're coming out there. My wife, she's on oxygen. She takes morphine. She sleeps 20 hours a day. She doesn't want to live anymore. Do you think there's any hope? I said, there's always hope. I said, I don't know if you'll get healed, but I know if you come out here, you'll experience God in a fresh way. She'll experience God's love like she's never experienced it before. She'll be loved on by people like she probably hasn't been loved on by years. And if that's worth making the trip, I'd come. But I said, there's a good chance she could get healed. So they came out there, long story short, short, she got totally healed. 17 years. She is up there dancing in front of the church, Sunday night service. No more oxygen. This is a lady who was on oxygen, sleeping 20 hours a day, morphine. Now, she comes back out here to D.C., remember? She's like that person on the mat. Isn't that the person we saw every day on the mat? Everybody knew about this lady. She goes back into that circle of friends and, and, and people that we know, and she comes back, no oxygen, dancing, saying, I got healed. It was like the woman at the well. All of a sudden, the phones are going, hey, can we come out there? Can we come out there? <laughs> it's a great problem to have. But then we said, it doesn't, you don't have to come here. We can come out here. We've had prayer times where we've seen people get healed. I, 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 I don't have the time to tell you. We've seen people healed of cancer. We've seen people healed of Parkinson's disease. We had a young lady that came and, and, and got prayed. She'd had cancer as a young child and, 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 of her ovaries. And they had to remove everything except a little sliver of one, completely removed one, and just had a sliver left of one ovary. And she was getting prayer from us. And one of the people we were with had a, had a word, just like you were sharing earlier about this man that had no idea that that man had lost his son. This girl had no idea what, we were, what she was there for. And she says, I believe the Lord has given me a word for you that we're going to pray for your reproductive organs. Now, that's not something you usually tell some. That's kind of an awkward thing to say, and it's kind of like really stepping out by faith. I think we're supposed to pay for your re- reproductive organs. <laughs> you know, okay, okay. Whoa. But was dead on. She starts sobbing. The ladies that have brought her there start sobbing. They're thinking, this is God. So we pray for her. You know, it's not like something you can check out. Yeah. <laughs> and she leaves. We don't hear anything. And this is always kind of something that happens. This is happening. We hear things years later, the people that we prayed for. We get a, we get a notice. 
She's married, and it's a picture of her new baby. And it's not adopted. And so we're like, how can this be? So we call up the people and I said, what happened? He said, it's a crazy story. She went to the doctor, and they took a picture, x-ray. Her ovary grew back. You talk about a creative mirror. It grew back. I could go on and on and on, and I don't have enough time. But what I want you to see is the passage that I read this morning was that in the name of Jesus, there is more power than all the earth combined. In the name of Jesus. And today I want to conclude by us having an opportunity to call out the name of Jesus in any situation that a person here has a need for. He is still active. He is still doing the work of the kingdom today. The Lord's Prayer says, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we want to pull down heaven today. Jesus brought the kingdom of heaven to earth. And we want to operate in that kingdom reality today here on earth. And part of that kingdom reality is healing. Healing. It still happens today. I'm a testimony of it. I've seen it time and time and time and time again in my family. Today I'm preaching to myself. I was diagnosed in November with high-risk advanced prostate cancer. I'm believing for another miracle. I'm in a category you don't want to be in that. You know, prostate cancer has a large category. There's those that go, oh, it's not a big deal. Get it out, you'll be done with it. I wish I was down at that end of the spectrum. But I'm at this end of the spectrum. I'm in that one where you're like, okay, man, you've got your affairs. It's not quite there, but it's pretty close. And so I'm saying, God, do it again. Do it again. In the name of Jesus, do it again. Thank you for today, for this opportunity to share a little bit of my life. But most of all, to share the name of Jesus. Pastor Dave. So much, and I love you. You stand right here, right? I'll do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. That was a collective hug. We just had a hug, <laughs> and I just love that he shared this journey, all the healings, testimonies. It's so awesome that he read the scripture that happened two thousand years ago, but it's also shared what Jesus did today, yesterday, the day before that, what he's about to do today, what he's about to do tomorrow. So we're going to pray, and when we're, we, you see the brothers, they're, they're moving these tables back so that we can have room for every one of you to come up and stand here in the front, and, and those of you who need healing, we're going to pray, we're going to have prayer for you, we're, we're going to receive ministry, prophetic ministry, all of these things, just for the reality of God's love to be poured out. That's what the Bible says, the Holy Spirit pours out love. Of the Father in our lives, so we're going to let the Holy Spirit just do what He does. Yeah. And so we're going to do that. We're going to um, have people come in the front and pray. I do want to give you an opportunity. I shared this with you a few moments ago that we're going to have a time to respond financially uh, to Dan and Lori Frost and their ministry. And I, want, I don't want you to come thinking you have to bring an offering to receive prayer. But we're going to do those two things together. Those of us who have an offering. Also, one prayer, you can do those two things together. It's just a functional thing. Again, there's no quick pro quo, no, hey, you have to have an offering to receive prayer. But if you have an offering, as you come forward, there's, there's other offering plates here. Everything that's given in this offering will go to their ministry. Everything that's given 
It's not what we needed before for the Francis Church, but we'll go to their ministry in, 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 in entirety, that amount, and then they'll be able to continue to do what the Lord is, is doing to them, uh, in, in, even better through our giving today. So I want, I want you to feel free to do that. Write out checks to Embassy Church so that we can you know, make sure that it all works the most efficient. Then when, once that, uh, the, the team you know, recognizes what, what that is, they'll give that uh, to them, um, to their ministry. Now, I just want to say this before we come to pray. Why bad things happen to good people? And just real quick, I want to say this. Sometimes good people are not as good as you think they are. And the reality is, is that sometimes people are paying consequences for things that they've done wrong. But as Dan pointed out, bad things happen to good people is not about God not being good. It's, it's just a fact that when bad things happen to us, we have an opportunity to experience God in a way that we don't experience God when good things are happening to us. And so what we're praying is we're looking at Dan's life and Lori's life and their family's life and saying, Lord, you have showed up for dad, for kids, for them, for Lori. Now, Lord, you're going to expand this relationship you have with Dan by what you're going to do in his body, what you're going to do in his life. And that's what we know that God is doing. He's, he's expanding this beautiful relationship that he has with you. He's going to deepen it even more through your own personal experience. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate you and honor you for not telling us about your journey after it's over. But right in the middle of it, sharing it with us so with such transparency and openness, we honor you as a true man of God, as a man of, honor, of truth yourself. And we're just going to love being a part of your miracle story. Amen. We're going to love being a part of the story. All right, come on, everyone. Just get up here and just line up in the front. Where's our prayer team? Um, Bethel ministry team, and you're going to be joined, if it's okay with you, with MSC ministry team, yeah, the more the merrier, and uh, just come up, I, I, I was, is Keisha here, is Keisha not here today, I'm looking for her, but you know ministry team, who you are from MSC Church, we're, we, this ministry team, we're going to stand here in front, and one by one, as you come on, the rest of you, just come up and just line up, you can wait till later, you can just come in and line up here. And one by one, you come before the ministry team, and we're just going to let God pour out his love upon all of us today. Amen. Father, before we pray, we thank you for those that you're bringing into personal relationship with you, who have never been in personal relationship with you. Jesus, when people came to you for healing, you also said to them, your sins are forgiven. And you dealt with sin problems because you know that even if our bodies are healed, but our sins are not forgiven, that we can't be in where there's a barrier in relationship. We can't be in relationship with you. So Jesus, because you came from the Father to die in our place, to be sacrificed, to receive all the punishment of God against sin, all the wrath of God against sin, Jesus, you did all that for us so that we don't have to pay the price for our sin. We don't have to be separated from God, not in this life or in the next. So, Father, we thank you for people that you're bringing in a relationship with you. And we ask, Lord, that they would not only receive healing for bodies, but salvation, God, for souls, for forgiveness for sins. In Jesus' name, God, thank you, Father, for what you're doing, God. I want to give one last piece of instruction for those of you who are new in your relationship with God before you leave today. 
please go by our hospitality center and grab a hold of one of those free books called What's Next for You and God. That's going to majorly bless you in your relationship with God. We celebrate what the Lord is doing here together. Amen. The worship means you'll lead us in worship. Feel free to worship the Lord and then uh, just one by one just begin to step up uh, to this ministry team and uh, we'll just watch what God does here this morning. God bless you. And again, if you have an offering, you can place it right in the offering plates that are right here before you. Thank you. God bless you.